The Tigers make another minor league signing with an invite to spring training. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about the finalized coaching staff for your Detroit Tigers in 2023. All today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Friday, January 27th, 2023. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Alrighty, we are back. Happy Friday, everybody. If you live in the Michigan, if you live in the Michigan, if you live in the uh, the the Michigan area, I guess the Midwest, or uh, even you know our, our Canadian friends too. You know the the Windsor and Toronto got hit pretty hard by that snowstorm as well. So uh, I hope that everybody is safe and okay after the last two days of snowing. And yeah, I hope uh, everybody has a great weekend as well. Today we are going to talk about. Cesar Hernandez, the newest addition to the Detroit Tigers organization, what it could mean for the second base position as a whole, for Jonathan Scope, and just where he fits in line with this organization as a whole. Then we're going to talk about the finalized coaching staff for the Detroit Tigers. It got finalized earlier this week, but we haven't had time to talk about it, so we're talking about it today. Does that work for everybody? Okay, cool. Let's get started then. Cesar Hernandez, the newest edition of your Detroit Tigers, signs a minor league deal with an invite to spring training uh, via Evan Petzold of the Free Press. It is a $1.5 million deal if he is to make the major leagues. And he also has an additional 1.85 mil in performance bonuses as well. Again, that's all via Evan Petzold of the Detroit Free Press. He is the man. We love Evan here on this show. And yeah, you know, this is a, this makes a lot of sense. This makes a lot of sense. Let's get into why it makes a lot of sense. Hernandez is a switch hitter, gold glove in at second base in the year 2020. You know, and and like, that's fine. We like scope could have won a gold glove last year, whatever his defensive numbers outside of 2020 aren't anything like uber spectacular. Like, I just want to get that point across. You're not getting a, bona fide like he has one gold gloves so that means you're getting a bona fide defensive anchor out there you know at, at second or wherever he plays we'll kind of talk about that a little bit later too um, but th- he did have good defensive numbers in 2020 and it was a shortened season on at that uh, but it, it, he has some rougher defensive seasons it's all around zero if you were to average it out he has some really bad seasons some pretty good defensive seasons some net zero defensive seasons uh, you know, that that's not really why we're bringing him in, but uh, shouldn't be a liability at second base, to say the least, I guess is my point, if that's where he ended up. Now, it is also worth noting that he played left field in 2022, not primarily, but he did get innings, I think about 100 innings in left field just last season. In his major league career, he has played left field, center field, third base, shortstop, and second base. So, has experience all over the diamond. What is that? Five, six different positions. Uh, five. So 
Yeah, definitely some versatility as well. And, and again, we'll kind of touch on that a little bit later too because I think that's kind of a, a slightly overlooked part of this addition. But let's talk about the offense. This is what makes a lot of sense. He fits the profile to a T. He is exactly what, if you've been paying attention, which I'd imagine if you're watching uh, a daily talk show about the Detroit Tigers, you, you are someone who pays attention. It, it's very obvious that this team has a profile and Cesar Hernandez fits this profile pretty, pretty well, right? 9.4 career walk percentage. Uh, that's pretty solid. 19.3% K percentage. Anytime you're under 20, you're looking at pretty respectable numbers there. Uh, he is consistently in the middle of the pack in like walk percentile rating, right? So uh, compared to every other hitter in the game of baseball, uh, usually middle of the pack, usually even like upper middle of the pack, has some years in the 40s, 40th percentile, some years in the 60th percentile, whatever, but around middle of the pack there, uh, which is solid. Again, like we're just dying for some middle of the pack walk rates. Like that's great. We, we've been uh, tied down with, like 3% walk rates by half of our roster for the last four years. Like that, that's fine. I'll gladly take it almost 10% career walk, right? Are you kidding? That's, that, that's, that's music to my ears. And the K rate is, is pretty similar in terms of percentile rankings. It's, it's around middle of the pack. He has some years where it's a little bit higher last year. He was almost 70th percentile in K rate. So that's pretty good. Uh, you know, we talk about dominating the strike zone, and, and we've said this before, but uh, you can dominate the strike zone without walking, you know, 15% of the time or whatever. Like, if you don't strike out as well, that that can definitely help and, and accomplish a similar goal, if not the same goal. So the fact that he does both of those pretty well is obviously nice to see. Um, whiff rate, 76th percentile in whiff percentage last year. Really good. Doesn't swing and miss too terribly much. Uh, for even to go a little bit deeper on the not swinging and missing too much, his Z contact percentage, which is just the percentage of times he makes contact with balls that are inside the strike zone, uh, his career is 89.4%. And outside of 2020, which was a weird short year, uh, it, it is every year between 88 and 90.5%. So, Pretty consistently at about that 89, 89.5%, uh, 89% of the time he swings at a ball inside the strike zone, he makes contact with it. That would have put him just outside of the top 30 if it was just in last year, right, in 2022. Now, would have just been just outside of 30th. So pretty solid there. You're talking about one of the better dudes in the league at uh, making contact with balls in the zone. And then O swing percentage is another stat that's fun to look at. That is the amount of times a hitter swings at a ball outside of the strike zone. Not makes contact with or anything, just swings at a ball outside of the zone. Uh, for reference, Javi Baez actually led all of baseball in this in 2022 and was over 5% ahead of the second worst in baseball amongst qualified hitters. 5% difference between him and second. That's crazy to me. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. Um, and it was like 47, 48%. That's, that's nuts. Swinging almost half the balls out of the strike zone over a season. It's crazy. Anyway, Cesar Hernandez, uh, about 26% in his career is the number. That's really solid. 29, oh, just under 30th, 30%. In the last two seasons, but his career number is about 26%. Uh, 
uh, that career mark of 26% would have put him just outside the top 20 if it was his single season number in 2022. So just for reference, I want to give you kind of where that falls under the, the over if it was over the course of this season or whatnot. So again, I mean, that those are both really solid, just outside of the top 30 for Z contact, just outside of the top 20 for O contact. We love to see it. That's a beauty. He had 21 home runs in 2021, 15 and 14 homers in 18 and 19. 2020, as we've already said a lot this episode, was the weird shortened season. Not sure why that keeps coming up. Uh, and yeah, his war, if you look at 2016 through 2020, is pretty respectable as well. Uh, you're talking about like three and a half, 2.8, two, one and a half, and then 2.1 again uh, for, for a fan graphs war that is. So solid two to three and a half win player for about four or five years there. And I am not trying to like upsell him. I'm not trying to make him sound like something that he's not. I'm just trying to, I get accused of that. Sometimes I get accused of like, Oh, you know, you make everybody sound like they're like an all-star or whatever. I get that comment rather often. I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to make Cesar Hernandez sound like he's going to come in and, and and be a, a three and a half win player or even a two win player. That's not what I'm trying to sell you, but uh, I'm just trying to highlight why he was brought in. This fits the profile exactly. This is like a like a 100% fit of Scott Harris profile player. He's one of the fastest players in the league and has been for his entire career consistently in around 90th percentile in sprint speed. Um, I, like he's an athlete. He plays multiple positions. He walks a good amount and he doesn't strike out a lot. That is exactly what Scott Harris is looking for. And so for his depth signings, which this is, again, not trying to make him sound like anything he's not. This is a depth signing. He's not even on the 40 man. This is a minor league deal with an invite to spring. But the fact that even the depth signings are in his identity and within his profile is great to see. Uh, I've said this a lot this offseason. You, you can disagree with everything he's done. But objectively, you can't deny that he's going to fill his profile. He's going to fill this team's identity the way he wants it to be filled. And I, I can at least respect that. And I like some of the moves he's made in the offseason. I, I don't mind the offseason as much as some other people do, to be honest. But uh, that, that's besides the point. Like At the end of the day, this team is going to have an identity. And it's going to be what we just laid out for you. And that is at least respectable and, and all good teams ever have had an identity. So, and I'm not trying to say this team's going to be good either, but <laughs> it's some, some foundation is being built. Some culture is being built. So some identity is being built already. And that's at least a nice sign. Okay, so let's talk about 2022 and why, after everything I just told you, 20 home run season in 2021 and all that, why is he getting signed to a minor league deal with an invite to spring training in 2023? It's because last year wasn't very good. We'll talk about that as well. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at FanDuel. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they are the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, you, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers, you can join today and get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at fanduel.com slash locked on 
FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line, the print, point spread, rather, uh, player props, etc. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. It is awesome. And again, like baseball season's right around the corner. Obviously, NFL playoffs are in full swing. It's all on an app. It's all safe and secure. It's super easy to use. It is the best in the business. So football fans, baseball fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet and get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports partner of the NFL. What is up, everybody? Welcome back. Segment two here, Locked On Tigers. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. For your next listen, check on the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, just like us. Okay, so we're talking about Cesar Hernandez. Um, Last year was not very good for him, and that's why he finds himself on a minor league deal. And again, he's not even on the 40-man. I'm not trying to upsell you. I'm just telling you why he was brought in, why it makes a lot of sense. And we will talk about the ramifications of spring ball. I I don't think that this should be overlooked either and just be like, oh, it's depth. It's not going to matter. I think this is going to have some spring training implications for sure that we'll talk about in a bit. Um, But last year was not great. One home run last year. In 2021, he had 21 homers. 2022, he had one homer. Uh, was worth half a win, according to Fangraph's war. The walk rate went down 2% from his career mark at 7.3%. His OPS was a 629. That's compared to a 716 career OPS. Uh, He's a career 96 WRC plus hitter. And last year was a 79, making him 21% worse than league average in in weighted runs created. Uh, Just all around, really a, a, a rough year for him and what he played for the nationals who obviously are in for probably a few rough years so maybe you can chalk some of it up to that but regardless this is a a dude who was brought in to shake things up a little bit in spring ball and i think that that is probably the biggest conversation that's going to come out of this signing um look second base it's it's no secret jonathan scope last year really struggled at the plate He really struggled at the plate. And I think, you know, we talked about it. When did we talk about it? Was it, was it maybe it's been in the mailbag where I said to y'all, I don't see how Jonathan scope is on this team in August or September. And that's because if he does really well, he's on an expiring deal. He's going to get dealt. And if he does really poorly, He's on an expiring deal that's not worth that much, and they would rather earmark at-bats for younger players. And now you have even more depth in Hernandez, who's not a young player. He's in his early 30s. But regardless, um, you you have the ability to give at-bats to other players. They're just going to count their losses, and they're going to DFA him if he is as bad as he was last year for sure. And so uh, he might not even make it to the trade deadline if he struggles again. And if he does hit well, which we all hope he does, scope that is, then again, he's just going to get flipped. So on a position that you pretty much know, I I don't want to say anything is for certain, but I am very confident that Jonathan Scope is not on this team after July 31st one way or another. And so... Hernandez gets some needed depth 
at a position in which you don't have any option after Jonathan Scope, and Scope isn't finishing the season on the team. So that's, for starters, you have that. Then you talk about spring training. We just talked about on Wednesday the, the biggest storylines as we head into pitchers and catchers reporting and as we head into spring ball. And this certainly becomes one of the biggest ones now. Uh, and it's not, you know, like the biggest, it's not bigger than third base or the bullpen or anything, but you now have somewhat of a competition at second. I think if, if they have it their way, they still would much prefer to go scope uh, because that's where there, there's more of an investment in Jonathan scope. But now you have a fallback option. If Jonathan scope is still just really struggling in spring, guess what? You have Hernandez also like I, I don't mean to to be too blunt or whatever, but Hernandez fits the team's identity and profile significantly more than Jonathan Scope. And I I I love Scopey and I appreciate everything he's given this team over the last three years. And that there was a solid year and a half, almost two years there, where he was like one of, if not the best hitter on the team, which is probably more of a testament to the rest of the team than him. But like he was he was one of the the only like decent power threats in this bat for the, for like a couple of years there. Like I, I, I could not appreciate and respect the dude more. Um, but like with what Scott Harris is building right now, Hernandez fits the profile a lot more. So, uh, and again, I'm not saying Hernandez is like, has taken his job and it's just wraps. Like it's, it's going to come down to spring. And at that, I think, if it's a close call, they're still going to lean scope. Like I fully expect Scopey to still be the opening day shortstop, but now you at least have a safety valve option at second base. I also don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility for Cesar Hernandez to get a look and get legitimate playing time at maybe not legitimate, but get playing time at the major league level, even if scope hits well, because again, he plays multiple positions. We, we've talked about he has experience at – he's not going to get much of a look at short, barring an injury to Javi, but third base we know was all up in the air, and he has experience at corner outfield as well, as recent as last season. So uh, you're talking about versatility. You're talking about speed on the base paths, walks a good amount. Like, like this is not – and again, like if he goes into spring and he looks much like he did last year, then this is a non-story. And, and uh, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to upsell you, but I, um, I, I, I think enthusiasm can sometimes – enthusiasm can sometimes be confused with optimism. I'm not trying to, to tell you that Hernandez is, is anything more than he is, but I, I think that this makes a lot of sense. I like the move a lot. And I think that it, it definitely will be kind of a, a more prominent storyline um, than maybe people realize in spring training as well. And the, the last thing I'll say on it, and then we'll move on to the coaching staff and whatnot, is that at the end of the day, he's not even on the 40-man roster. Like the, this is a minor league signing with an invite to spring. Scope is still the favorite, as I just got done saying. Um, but definitely shakes things up a little bit and it, it's the the type of depth move you like to see uh, as i said earlier as well I, i'm not really familiar with the concept of organizational depth we've never had it like in my entire life we've never had organizational depth it's always been one level at the expense of another level and so these are the type of moves that that proactive front offices make to make sure 
that they're not going to like bow out and, and they're not going to have a situation where the top two options both struggle. Oh no, we don't have anything else. Like, no, now, I mean, look at catcher, look at second base, look at third base. Like this, this organization, whether it's, it's top end talent or not, like, no, they, they don't have top end talent. I don't think that this is going to be some incredible like run where, where the Tigers are a, a competitive team in the second half of the season or anything, but they at least have put themselves in a situation where if options one and two at a lot of positions don't work out, hey, we still have another option we can go to and give at bats and see if they can take the bull by, by the horns and be the future of that position. Makes sense? Cool. All right, let's get into the coaching staff. We'll do that right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Second, nope, third, third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in. Thank you. Um, You know what, really quickly, I don't know if I said I was going to talk about this early on or not, but I can't open Twitter without seeing a bunch of people talk about how they want to bring in Miguel Andujar. And that just confuses me. Because, like, I don't see the fit at all. Um now watch like over the I'll go on this little like rant and then over the weekend they'll bring him in and I'll have to explain why it makes sense but I I I just genuinely I don't see the fit and it's kind of like somewhat of a I don't want to say a joke but like every fan base has like a group of fans that whenever Miguel Andujar is available it's oh my goodness we should give him a shot like there's a reason that he hasn't gotten a legitimate look by any major league team in five years. Like there, there's a reason for that. It's not a mistake. It's not an accident. Like the, the, there is a legitimate reason for that. And this year he'll be 28 years old. And I just don't see it. Even when he was hitting well, which was one year, his rookie year in 2018, uh, again, five years removed from that as well. Um, but even that season, he never walked. Like it, it just, it doesn't fit the profile of this team at all. Like he, he, he doesn't walk. He's never walked. And since his rookie year, which again was great. No one's denying that he was in the rookie of the year conversation with Otani, right? Like, uh, I mean, like he, he certainly ha- had a good year that year, but um, like th- this, th- I, I don't, I don't see it. I, I don't understand why that there are people that are like pounding their their fists on the table to bring in Andujar. Like he, he he also hasn't hit well since his rookie year. Like in his limited sample size since then, admittedly, every year since then he hasn't hit well. He has a negative WAR like every year since his rookie year. And again, limited playing time, whatever, all totally fair. But like he he has not had a WAR over zero since 2018, which was five years ago. Like I. And at 28 years old, like you have to basically teams are just trying to figure out where to hide him defensively, to be honest with you. Like, uh, do you put him at third? You're, you're going to take away at bats from like the youth that we have to play at third this year. You're going to take at bats away from them to see if Miguel Andujar, like what to see if like fifth time is a charm for him. Like I would much rather just roll out you know, Henry Malloy and, and, and Maton and and Kreidler and Lipsius. Like, I, I would much rather give them at-bats than than 28-year-old Miguel Andujar. Like, and I, I don't know. I, or like, oh, we want to move him to the outfield. Like, same conversation. I, I 
would rather give at bats to the youth we have in the outfield and the players we have in the outfield. I, I would rather see what we have in Akil Badu and, and Kerry Carpenter and whatnot. Like I, I just, I don't think there's a fit here at all. And it seems like every single time I open Twitter, uh, I have to see a, uh, a, a take about how the Tigers should like consider or just straight up bring him in. And I, I don't get it at all. So I just wanted to riff as we would say about that for a little bit. Um, but I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Okay, let's talk about this coaching staff, though. The Detroit Tigers coaching staff is finalized for the 2023 season. I guess we can just kind of run through it really quickly and just go uh, coach by coach. So, A.J. Hinch, the manager, obviously. George Lombard, the bench coach, yet again. Chris Fetter, the pitching coach. Robin Lund, assistant pitching coach, Juan Nieves, assistant pitching coach, Michael Berdar, hitting coach, Keith Beauregard, hitting coach, James Rousen, assistant hitting coach, Alfredo Amazaga, first base coach, Gary Jones, third base coach, Tim Fed Fedoro, I cannot say his last name, Tim Federowicz. Jeez, I can't like <laughs> I I remember him playing like I'm very familiar. I just uh, AJ Hinch calls him Fetty, so I guess we'll do that. But he is the catching coach, and uh, Evan Petzold of the Detroit Free Press had a great article about Fetty and what he brings to the coaching staff, and asked AJ Hinch about him and whatnot. So that's super cool. Definitely go check that out. But there's a couple of quotes within that article that uh, kind of stood out to me. One is he, he was a manager in AAA last year, which is awesome. So he has managerial experience, even if it's not at the major league level and is now on our coaching staff. That's always good. He also played for A.J. Hinch uh, for a little bit. So A.J. is, is very familiar with him and kind of how he sees the game and whatnot. But the biggest quote that stood out to me when in that piece when talking about, about Fetty uh, was that there was a quote where A.J. said he's going to help with the catching side of things, obviously, because he's the catching coach, but park game planning. I love it. And that can be interpreted in a few different ways. And, and he didn't really go super in depth on what that meant, but uh, I, hitting on the hitting side of things, there are so many batters that are going to change their approach or have a different game plan in a certain different ballparks and pitching, especially you're going to have a much different game plan in Yankee stadium than you are in Comerica park at home. So like, that's, that's awesome. Like I, I love it. I, I absolutely, and like even the position players, like I know that the shift is gone, but that doesn't mean that that game planning based on where you're playing, especially in the outfield, right. Isn't going to have like meaning and ramifications. So I, I just, I really like that quote and that's super cool. So there is your 2023 coaching staff. Uh, it's big. That's a, that's a big coaching staff. And that was something that Scott Harris was asked about when he first came over from San Francisco as well. People asked him, you know, Hey, in San Francisco, you had like a million coaches. Are you going to do that again? And he said that he talked to AJ and, and they weren't going to have a giant, you know, like uh, a one coach for every player type of thing, but that they were going to expand it and it was going to be a little bit bigger. I mean, just here you have a pitching coach and two assistants. You have two hitting coaches and one assistant. Uh, like, and then obviously, like Lombard is is kind of the right hand man to Hinch and and like, a great names on here. Fetter, one of the best 
in, in the world at his job. AJ Hinch, I, I know some people aren't very big AJ Hinch fans. I still think he's a great manager and great at what he does. Uh, George Lombard is going to be a manager in, in the relatively near future. Like, I, I don't like maybe as soon as next year. Like, Lombard is going to be a manager someday. Uh, Berdar and, and Beauregard and Rousen, we talked about in an earlier episode. Robin Lund, we've talked about in an earlier episode as well. You know, biomechanics, what he brings to the pitching staff in terms of that. Um, Juan Nieves has gotten a lot of credit from Federer and from upper management over the years. Um, I, I mean, just all around, like this, this is, there, there's good names here. There's respected names. And it, it's a lot of different perspectives. And I think, uh, again, whether you like or dislike these dudes individually, you can at least appreciate that we're not going to be in a position like last year necessarily where, and I'm not saying it's this black and white or this definitely happened last year, but if, if someone's slumping, you can get three different perspectives on how to fix that issue rather than just trying to make adjustments from the same person or the same two people every day. Like you're going to have a, a lot of people that can help you and are very smart people that, that can try and help these guys. I, I am pro big coaching staff, and that's what the Tigers are going to have in 2023. So we'll see how much it helps them. Uh, I'm excited about it. I'm excited for baseball, man. Oh, I cannot wait. By the end of next week, we will be in February, which means we will be just days away from pitchers and catchers reporting. Uh, I cannot wait. We've talked about the storylines going into the spring. Once pitchers and catchers report, or at least shortly thereafter, the show will go back to five days a week as well which is going to be super fun. I can't wait to, to get back to where we're having content every single day. Uh, with that, we will start immediately when we get to five days a week, maybe even a little sooner depending on uh, wh when we do that. But uh, we are going to start our 2023 player profile. So at the end of last season, we kind of did a, each individual looking back on 2022. We're going to do that again. As the once we get to five a week throughout the spring, uh, obviously we'll talk about the spring training games and and the storylines out of spring and whatnot for sure as well. You know we have every single day we have plenty of time, uh, but we're gonna do kind of looking at it from a instead of a retrospective you know viewpoint, we're gonna look at it from a future and what we expect out of each individual player going into the 2023 season. So that's what you can expect from the show, from us, from me, from you from the coaching staff, from Cesar Hernandez, from everybody. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. For your next listen, check on the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Okay, I think that's all I got. Stay safe out there. I uh, hope everyone got through the week. Like I said, okay, have a fantastic weekend. And we will see y'all on Monday. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. See y'all on Monday. <laughs> Go Tigers, baby.